Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. People can change anything they want to. And that means everything in the world. Show me any country and there'll be people in it. It's time to take the humanity back into the center of the ring and follow that for a time. You know, think on that. Without people, you're nothing. Without people, you're nothing. Stoke the fire. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Stoke the Fire, hopefully your brand new favorite podcast. It's Matt Stocks, Jesse Leach, here again for uh, an extra special episode this week. Um, Let's not beat around the bush. Let's not draw out the tension. Let's just get right into it right here, right now. Jesse, why don't they might have heard of this guest today? Um, Why don't you tell everybody watching and or listening who's on the show? Adam D needs no introduction. Come on down. <laughs> there you go. I thought you were going to give it at least a bit more hype than that. Boo, boo, boo. <laughs> I, I, could, I could say so many things, but uh, why? It's Adam D. What's going on, bro? <laughs> why? It's, I'm not worth it. Trust me. No, no, you're worth it. You're worth, it. You're worth every second of it. But it would be like a yeah. huge, long soliloquy, and people are like, really? Just get to the fucking point. Yeah, hi, right. Who wants to beat around the bush anyways, right? I always do. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> for, the ben- for the benefit of everybody listening, not watching, Adam is sporting a beautiful. I'm assuming mm. brand new because I was watching you on the Rob Flynn podcast recently, and, and you didn't have an awesome tash in that chat. Is this specially for us? And did you know that I have one too? Did you want to match match mine? I I did not know you had one, and it is not for you at all. So that- damn, <laughs> it's looking good though, dude. I love it. I love yeah, a yeah. tash. Yeah, you know, it's just, you know, something different for a little while. You know, I'm, I'm, that's how bored I am with this, you know, pandemic continuing on here. So it's, it's, just need, you know, fucking facial hair. Why not? You know? They make life better, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, between the, the glasses and your stash, you got a cop thing going on. Old school cop, 70s cop yeah. shit going bro. I was, I was thinking like a baseball player slash. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I guess, yeah. Yeah, a cop thing for sure. Yeah. 70s, either way, yeah. it's 70s. So we were doing all have been all have been listening to lately is 70s music anyway. So there you go. It all makes sense. Yeah, when we got together for the Times of Grace thing, it was classic rock all the way. Tons of oh, yeah. thin, thin Lizzie and like uh yeah, Zeppelin and Bad Company. Yep. yep. And the whole time Dan, the drummer, and Adam are just like analyzing all the stuff. And I'm like, it's just a good song. I don't know. We're just gro- now we're grooving, talking about the groove, man. It's just like when I get with him, we just yeah, we analyze grooves and like the soul so behind funny. things. And it's just, yeah, man, that's that's what you do when you're a music nerd, right? Yeah. I was just staring off into the desert and these guys are just yapping away about music. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. I kind of envy that though, because I don't really have the chops to even talk about that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, you don't you don't have to though. You really just like if if a performance strikes you, you know, you can just talking about it. You know, it just feels good sometimes. You know, where are what? we ta- where are we talking to you from, Adam? You look like you're living on like the ranch. Like you got a very nice setup. Wherever yeah. <laughs> from the ranch, no no animals here. Um, no, except my dogs. Uh, but no, I'm just out in my front porch. Uh, 
I like doing all my podcasts and interviews out here, especially when a guy drives by in a work truck. Yeah, it's um, perfect for sound that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you're, West, you're like, West Coast, obviously, from the sunshine, I'm guessing. Right on cue. Yeah. Uh, yeah, in San Diego. Amazing. Yeah. How long have you been? Yeah. Out? So, uh, about almost seven years now, I think. So, like six and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's great, man. Obviously, everyone talks about the weather, but um, it's if you really truly love the outdoors, I feel like there's no better place in America to live just because you can do something outside every day of the year, no matter what. Yeah. And it's sunny, but it's not too hot like that Arizona heat where it's just exactly. Killing. Yeah. Right. Like, dude, it's like it gets to like you know the one tens out there. You know, it it doesn't get close to that here. So do you have a studio at your house? And is that where you guys did the Times of Grace album? I do have a studio. Uh, uh, I've since moved since we worked on that record. Um, so I have a, I still have that room set up in a different room, though, uh, a little more space. And it's, uh, it's a little more ergonomic, works a little nicer. So. Yeah, he's always had uh, some, some kind of a studio set up or Zing when he lived in Massachusetts. But even when mm. you sing, you still had music rooms. Because he's got yeah. a pretty, pretty nice collection of guitars there. Pretty amazing, actually, which is nice to, to sort of look at and pluck on, much to his yeah. chagrin when I've been Things I, I never fucking used. <laughs> I should probably, probably dust one of those things off and play one now. Got to, now that we have shows coming up, jeez. Oh, boy, yeah. Yeah. You two won't remember this because you'll have done so many at the time and indeed since then. But one of my first ever interviews was with the pair of you um, for the first Times of Grace album. It wasn't face to face. It was over at ISDN line. And I was working at Kerrang Radio. I'd only been there a few months. It was very early on in my life and career. And um, I'll never forget because I guess the, the narrative around that project was, you know, big news in the metal community because Jesse had obviously left Killswitch and this was the first time you'd reconnected creatively. And and so I didn't really know what to expect going into it. And I just remember the pair of you were in such high spirits and just seemed so happy and elated to be hanging out with each other and talking about that record. And, you know, I, I remember you'd coined a new genre, if memory serves correct, for the album. You were going on about this new thing called Awesome Core um, in, in, reg in regards <laughs> to the record. But I just remember being struck and really, you know, like not impressed. That's not the right word, but, you know, kind of touched, touched would be the word at how, you know, happy and stoked you guys were to be hanging out. And so I guess I know what the hell happened. To us? <laughs> if it's all, if it's all right <laughs> with both now. of you, I'd, lo I'd love to kind of go back to before that. I'm going to just throw this to you, Jesse, if this is OK. Um, when you leave Killswitch and you know, the kind of the thoughts that lead to that decision and then the, you know, the aftermath in your mind of that choice and, and where you went from there. If we could start there, just yeah. get straight into this. Yeah. I mean, in, in retrospect, things are so different at the time. I was just in such a weird headspace and, you know, just being a very non-confrontational, non-communicative person back then, which I'm still working on these days. Um, I just pulled the ejector seat. I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know how to ask for help. I didn't, there's so many things I could have done to sort of prevent my demise and where I was going. But instead of handling or dealing with any of that, I just was like, I'm out. That's the only way I could see because I was in such a bad headspace. 
Um, yeah, and in retrospect, I'm glad I did it, but I just wish I would have sort of done it differently. But, you know, when you're a young kid with mental problems you don't even have a language for, it's just really hard to, like, put that out there and tell people, hey, I need help. Like, stubborn, you know, non-confrontational. It was... In, yeah, it was it was a really bad sort of uh, way to do things, but yeah, I needed to. I just needed to get away. I, I needed to fix. Not only that, but my personal life was weird. I didn't really have confidence in myself as a human being. Never mind as a, a vocalist of a band that was like on the rise. And I think some of that pressure, which is what in retrospect it wasn't even that much pressure back then. Like it was minor compared to what we've been through. I just couldn't handle it. So instead of you know doing what everybody with a healthy brain would have done. I just, I bailed, I bailed and my life he got quit. He yeah. quit via email. Yeah. Yeah. Was and, bitch. What yeah, a it bitch was a thing yeah. to do, man. It was a bitch <laughs> thing to do. But you know, back then I was, I was, I didn't know how to do confrontation at all. I still, yeah, yeah. I still have a hard time with it. You know, my, um, and then my life got pretty shitty You know, I worked a bunch of jobs and like, yeah, it, it was bad, but you know, no regrets, man. I, I, I needed to go through that shitty right. part of my life. I needed to live that. So now I appreciate everything so much more, I think, than had I would have stuck it out or figured it out. I don't even know if I'd be alive if I still stayed in the band, honestly. I have no idea. It's It was an important learning experience for yourself. You know, um, you like you still act like a kid a lot, but um, you grew you grew a lot since then. You know, honestly, you've grown a lot. Um, yeah, when I look When I think about who you were back then, I'm like, wow, it's like he was still like had the mentality of like a teenager. Like you're just like you're like scared of the world. You know what I mean? Um, And, you know, you've grown up a lot since then. Uh, So, yeah, you you learned a lot of life lessons, I'm sure. And, you know, I think everyone pulls from uh, traumatic change in their life like that. Like I completely changed as a person after I went through a divorce. You know what I mean? Like just things like that, they, they shake the root of who you are, you know, and you it just, it changed you for the better, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the thing though. It's like with situations like that, either that destroys you or it makes you stronger. And mm. I really feel like I came out stronger on the other side and with a little bit more wisdom, you know, and the wherewithal of like, it's not all about you. And that's something that I struggle with the ego, you know, like you're in something and you're, so bogged down by it and so hindered by it and you realize there's people around you that just want to help you out that that just want to help you through it and that even with writing records with adam that's something that's a constant like adam's going to get me out of my own head because i just have this part of my depression and anxiety social anxiety especially is pulling in and just thinking the world's against me and when you get into that cycle it just gets dark it gets dark and then someone finally will be like hey asshole what are you doing and it's the, Adam and Joel have done that to me a bunch, just being out in the road. But I, I need that. I need people like that in my life, sort of help me get out of my own head because it's something I continue to to work on and and try to grow from. But you know that initial ejecting out of Killswitch was the start, I think, of growth that needed to happen in my life. Do you have those struggles at all, Adam? Those, wanting those... to quit the band <laughs> <laughs> with, with just you know mental strain and darkness i think and i think everyone does uh to a certain point it's just uh their ability to uh with how to address it you know um you know life's not easy for anyone you know everyone's got their you know their uh their demons you know and their 
their troubles and tribulations that they have to go through. So I think it's just, you know, I'm, I'm just like everyone else. I have, I have good days and bad days and, you know, like it's, it's a lot of, it depends on uh, what's happening with my life at that moment too, you know, all the external factors. So yeah, you know, everyone, I think everyone goes through it. Yeah. Amen. I mean, were you too close in the first incarnation of the band? Were you close friends then? What was the nature of your relationship first time around? I think there was love there, but I would be cautious to use the word close because if we were truly close, I would have said more and done more. I think that our relationship going into this band, we'd see each other on weekends to like play shows and we were friends, but it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like deep like it is now. Like they're my brothers. I can talk to them about almost anything, you know. Um, but back then I, I didn't feel that, but I didn't really feel that with a lot of people, honestly. I don't think mm. that I was willing to allow there to be depth. Very sort of like guarded. In, and I think part of that was just my confusion with my religious upbringing, sort of being very strictly religious upbringing, my view of the world, and then sort of my own issues and demons. Um, yeah. But these guys, you know, Adam and Joel, like, were the first to be like, hey, brother, much love to you. Like, this sucks you left, but, like, we're not mad at you. Like, they were the first two guys to reach out and sort of, like. Well, I, w I was mad about the email thing. That was it. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. need a I need a little time with that. And then our fucking, our tour van broke down after you left. And we were, like, stranded in, like, South Dakota for, like, a week. And we got your email. I was like, fuck. <laughs> it's the worst timing ever. Yeah. On, on many fronts. And it'd yeah, be the first yeah. sort of official tour to promote a Labrador's breathing and then like bailed. But I mean, if truth be told, yeah, I think it all worked out really well when Howard came in. Yeah. I hate to say it, but um dude, that dude yeah. took you guys all around the world, man. You guys got it all around the world with him. He sure did. And Howard Howard's a talent in his own right as well. So he uh he elevated us for the next what, what, seven years he was in the band? I don't even know. I can't. I don't know what happened in, in yeah, the past. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Get in front of that voice, man. Woo. No, no way. What's the steps from from the band side, Adam? Once Jesse's gone, how do you guys move forward? Oh, time? I remembered. Yeah, I remember just thinking. You know, that was back in the early stages of the band, obviously. So I was just like, in my mind, I I was you know thinking that this band wouldn't carry on very long. Um, just like, you know, I got to give this a go. You know, like, if I don't try this, I'll regret it. And I remember thinking that in the beginning of the band. And um, yeah, so we were just, it was kind of the same mentality. Once I like, you know, let's let's try out some singers. We got to at least try and see if it works out. And if somebody, you know, fits the bill, let's, you know, give it a go and do another tour or two and see if there's any growth, see if anybody cares. And, you know, we'll go from there. And if not, we can all just shut it down and say we tried. Yeah. how many people did you try out before howard or was he the first you know we we tried out a, a, a few people I, god i can't remember um it's a long time ago i know it's forever ago um i just remember when we heard howard um it was a no-brainer just because of uh his, his the range of styles he could do and how you know how powerful is like clean vocals were um yeah i was like well, all right this this guy's gonna do it yeah we got this yeah. do you remember having any any conversations with jesse when you know howard's in the band it's fully operational as jesse said you go around the world you're killing it do you have any calls with him to be like we're out here everything's going great are you okay like are there those chats um I 
I, I think it was more so just like dropping a text once in a while, just being like, hey, man, just thinking of you. I hope you're doing well. Miss you. You know, all that kind of stuff. But it was never really like super in depth. Like if I ever found myself in Providence, I would obviously hit him up and ask if he want to go get a drink or something like that. Yeah. But it was rare that I'd be in Providence. Yeah. I would get drunken phone calls every once in a while and just yeah. him being hysterical and checking in on me and being funny making jokes and they were random and you know enough of them where I remember getting those phone calls and then him telling me what they're doing and you know I I kind of like when I walked away from it I really walked away from it I didn't pay attention to music that type of music at all I went into my own little weird stoner rock reggae world and it didn't really quite hit me until they did play uh, Lupo's in Providence I think it was with Slayer on the Slayer tour and uh, I decided to go out, you know, I, I want to check this out. And I remember just sitting in the audience and just like jaw on the floor, like, whoa, no, it was before that. It was before that I had actually put a disguise on. <laughs> no way. Yes. I put a <laughs> hoodie and a hat and I went to see you guys at the old Lupos. Yeah. The Lupos. Cause then I joined you guys on stage for the strand show that was with Slayer. So prior to that, mm -hmm. I sort of put a disguise on to go check out Howard. And I don't, I didn't let any of you guys know I was doing this. And I remember sitting in the audience being like, holy shit, this guy's good. This, these guys are fine. I'm like, this is awesome. It took, it took a lot of like sorrow and pressure off my shoulders. And I was in the back of my head. I'm like, yeah, these guys are totally fine without me. It's great. And I, after the show, I actually went up to the barrier where you guys were. And I kind of pulled the hood down. I was like, hey. And I remember Mike D just looking at me going. <laughs> like, <laughs> Mike D was not feeling me there. And you guys are like, I, hey, dude, come on. <laughs> I, I know that Mike D face. He's given that to me before. <laughs> yeah. it, took, it took a while for Mike D to come around, but um, yeah, yeah I, des I deserved it. It's fine. But um, yeah, yeah I, I would definitely, he kept in touch. Adam definitely made an effort to stay in touch with me, which I cherish that to this day. I love it. And you guys supported Seamless. I remember Joel wearing the t-shirt and you'd come to the shows. And mm. so they were always good to me. Always good guys. Never, never bad blood between us. There's, there's no reason to hold grudges, you know, unless somebody like murders your dog. Um, something like that. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like people, you know, have changes of heart and, you know, you never really understand what other people are going through internally. So yeah, man, it's like it's, forgiveness is a good thing and, and moving on. Yeah, absolutely. Like same thing happened with Howard, you know, once we, well, you know, Howard left is just like, I still remain in touch with them, you know, and same, same, same vibe. Yeah. Spe speaking of emails to management as well, because uh, we emailed your manager to set this chat up today, didn't we, Jesse? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. So when the idea initially came on to have Adam on, I, I uh, was talking to, well, I was literally just going to text you and then I'm like, nah, you know what? No. Nah. So I reached out to our PR girl. I was like, I want to put him on because I just I like fucking with him sometimes. You fucker. I know. Yeah, because we're like in the middle of all this press. We're doing tons of press. And I'm like, ah, I'm just gonna be another name on the list. I love it. But I'm glad it worked out, man. <laughs> I don't I was saying I almost said no because you didn't text me. And then I read the the email, like, oh, we need to keep it on the on the press schedule. I'm like, fine. Well, that's what Fine. they said, but it was a huge part of me. I was like, no, let's just, let's do this. Like, you pop. dick. You. <laughs> I could have easily just texted you, but no. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't you also the email in, the, um, the most impersonal way? Yeah. I know. It's kind of funny, though. <laughs> Didn't you also email the management um, when Howard did leave to be like, can I try out? Tell us like those oh, steps. Okay. Okay. So the story. You heard Howard had left and, and then what happened? 
Yeah, so the story behind that is they initially asked me to to maybe come be the singer again. And I at the time, I just wasn't mentally ready. And I was thinking in my, truthfully, thinking in the back of my head, I wanted Times of Grace to continue. So I was like selfishly like, no, I'm not going to do it. Uh, and then I was continuing to work at this bar that I was not happy with that job. And then I got a text from my friend Nick and he's like, hey, did you hear they're actually doing auditions for a new singer? And I was like, whoa, shit. And it kind of like pumped the brakes on my whole life. And during that same bar shift, a kid recognized me. He sat at the bar and he was like, hey, don't I know you? Didn't you used to sing for Killswitch? And I remember just that moment of like, what the fuck am I doing with my life right now? I'm like cleaning glasses behind a bar. These guys asked me to rejoin and I said no. So I was like, I should probably give this a shot. So I knew my place and I can't just be like, hey, just kidding, guys. Want to do it again? So I called up management and I said, hey, can you put me on the list for auditions? And they kind of laughed. I'm like, no, seriously, I've had a change of heart. I, I really need to give this a shot and see if I can even handle doing it. So, yeah, that's the the official story. Um, yeah, I, I was just in a mixed place. And then when I heard about the auditions and thinking to myself, third singer i don't know if that's going to work out so well and i just felt this pull to like at least give it a shot what what's your memories of it adam uh i just remember trying out a bunch of people um and obviously jesse sounded great on his songs um (laughs) um, (laughs) he sounded he sounded most like jesse um and then uh he was doing a good job with howard stuff too and I remember this is this is a funny thing. Like there was almost like a, a moment of like um, Jesse's uh, ego getting in the way for a second. You know, like uh, I don't want to do any of Howard songs. I'm like, oh no, 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 no! You're you're out of here. Then you have to do Howard songs. It's like seven years of like some of our most successful moments in the band were when those songs were written. We cannot not play those fucking songs. You need to sing those fucking songs. And yeah. then yeah, and then. Um, He's like, oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay. And then, you know, and then it all just clicked. And then, bam, easy choice. If I'm going to be honest, I think it was insecurity, not ego. Yeah. Let's be real. It's it's intimidating. It's intimidating singing some of those songs. But now that I've I've sung a bunch of them, I love them. And, uh, yeah, like Arms of Sorrow was the first thing that really hit me between the eyes because the lyrics really spoke to me. And then that song is just cool, like the way it's written. So it took me a little while to, like, warm up to it. And, And I think, too, another part of it is, like, being genuine <laughs> and being able to live within somebody else's lyrics was definitely a challenge yeah. at first. I, I get that just because you, you definitely internalize a lot of the things you write um, and, and they do mean a lot to you. So I, I would get that. Yeah, for sure. But you know, at the end of the day, don't forget that there are people that pay money to hear some of those songs, you know? So it's like, we want to, all we want to do at the end of the day is give people what they want and give them a yeah. good show. Yeah, I'm glad it all worked out the way it does. It's it's humbling, but it's also just enjoyable, you know, because mm-hmm. some, some of those songs, like In a Heartache, man, it doesn't take a ton of effort for some of those songs because the audience is singing them louder than we're playing them. It's pretty amazing. I know, I know. It's a cool just like That's that's the, the best thing ever when, when that happens. Yeah, it's just like, cool. Like, they're part of the band right now. We're all just singing the same song. Well, now to me too, I, the way I see it too is, you know, especially taking out light the torch on those few dates before the pandemic that vibe the vibe we have now it's just it's about the family it's not about one guy versus one guy and when we're all in the same room howard and the band and myself like it's it's a great vibe he's he's a great dude you know he's he's gone just like i went through my changes he's gone through his changes 
mm-hmm. I think we're both, we're all as older guys now, just at this place where we're like, we're just supporting each other. And there's nothing but love and support and respect. No, no dramas, man. No, no, it's no great. dramas. Because how many bands can say that? Like that had two singers. How many people can like say that there's like no bad blood? The singer will come up and perform a song. Like I don't really see that, and I'm proud that we're at that point where we're just doing that because it feels great. I think I think we're all good at um, knocking down like the potential of an e- somebody's ego being a problem. You know what I mean? We all, we all address. When somebody starts acting like a, a weirdo, you know, we, we get together and we, we talk it over, you know, I think that's uh, and I think that's a lot of bands aren't willing to do that and like sit down and like talk somebody through something like that. You know what I mean? So it's, you know, we're all on the, we're on the road. How much of the year, you know, it's like when we're all around each other, like you know how much it sucks when like you don't like being around somebody and you're forced to be with them all day. It's awful. Yeah, that family vibe sustains us though. You know, I can't, I don't, I can't tour any other way. I can't. And I don't think anyone would want to deal with me the way these guys deal with me sometimes because I just, you know, they know me well enough to call me out on stuff. You know, like, hey, you're, you're being weird. You're being, you know, because I have a tendency to just disappear and like get inside my own head. But um, yeah, that's the beauty of what we do with Kills. And the crew is the same way. It's band and crew. It's like we're all on the same bus. You got to have communication. I think it's a secret to our success, you know, as far as like being on the road is like, we do talk about stuff. And if it gets yeah. to the point where it's awkward, it's like, all right, we have to have a sit down, and have a band meeting and just address the awkward thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good way to, to work. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. So yeah. I got a question. I got a question for you, Adam. It's something I've always wondered. And I don't know if I've ever actually even asked you as a friend, uh, but something I've noticed a lot, especially lately where I've been getting these interviews questions and people are always just like, How's it working with Adam with the cape and like the goofy and this and that? And how is the contrast between times of grace and the seriousness of that versus the goofiness of Adam? Like people constantly refer to your stage antics and as a major part of who you are. And I get that. And it's funny. It's entertaining. But the Adam that I know, the person that I know, and the person that's like one of my dear friends, you're a very deep, thoughtful, uh, emotional guy. Do you get tired of like having to talk about the goofy shit or to you it's just like party, you don't care? Like, is there any part of that persona? Well, people just, I guess people you, know, you know about it. You know, where you like, know who who I am to the core. Like, I'm definitely like there's a, a good slice of me that's like yellow, you know, like because we literally we are like not to get all like philosophical on you right now, but like we're get just as like, philosophical spec- as you like. I know, right? We're we're just like you know fucking specks of dirt on a piece of dirt that's floating in a universe that you know blew up a shit ton of years ago and like you know we have this one chance to enjoy our one moment on this little ball of shit in this huge vast universe and so you know i I really do believe in like yeah like let's all have some fun together and let's 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 party it up when we can you know um but yeah at the same time um when people like say I bump into somebody who's a fan of the band and they just expect me to entertain them while I'm like eating my dinner. I'm just like, you know what? I'm in the middle of my fucking dinner hanging out with a friend. So why don't you just, I, I can say hi and shake your hand and say, thank you, but I'm not going to tell you jokes. Fuck off. I'm eating, you know, like that kind of shit. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it, it doesn't bother me. And I like having a laugh with people. Um, I think that's, you know, dude, think about it. all I do is crack jokes all day. Um, it's having a laugh. Laughter is such a good medicine. 
um, for everything in life. Uh, so, you know, it, it doesn't really bother me when people just assume and, you know, walk up to me and you know act like that. But it's just, yeah, it's, I guess, it's, you know, the circumstantial thing, like if I'm in the middle of something, like, oh, like if I wake up and I haven't had coffee yet and like, I have to run out to the, the bay and the bus to like grab some underwear or some socks or something. And somebody just accosts me and like, entertain me. It's like, fuck off. I just woke up and I'm so hungover. Fuck you. <laughs> you know what I, mean? yeah, I would never say, style. I would never say that, but like, it's in my mind. I'm like, dude, I have a raging headache and I'm not going to fucking tell you jokes right now. Go away. Oh, that's that, everyone's like that, you know? Exactly. And so the people yeah. expect you to be like on at that moment. It's like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely not entertaining every second of the fucking day. You know, I'm, I definitely like quiet time too. Yeah. Are yeah. you very much of the opinion that like people who know, you know, that there's more sides to your personality and those that don't want to take the time to see the others, that's fine. They can just see that side and. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, well, that's, it's the case with any relationship with another human being. Like, how well do you know somebody if you've only spent like a couple hours with them or like, you know, hell, like I never really get how somebody can assume they know you after like listening to things that you say on stage, you know, like, like I don't talk to my dentist the way I talk to people at a show. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Let's fucking go kill this motherfucker right now. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, uh, you can't assume that somebody's going to, you know, I know that guy because he talked to me on stage. You're like, no, no, no. How well do you really know anyone? You know, it's unless you, they're like a close friend, you know? Have you always been a goof, like a goofy person? Like humor is always yeah, a yeah. huge part of your life fuck, fuck. when you're a little kid? Absolutely. Um, I think I got it from my uncle. Yeah, it's just like, just a little shithead. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, it's, it's, why, why waste time frowning? Turn that frown upside down, bro. You know, like life, like I said, life is short. Enjoy it, man. Yeah, It is short and, and you are exactly right. I guess sometimes it's harder to do that than, you know, it, it might appear on paper, but it is, I mean, as simple as that philosophy may be, Adam, it is a solid one. Um, you know, honestly, uh, I'm jealous of, you know, Brits like yourself uh, and your ability to have the, the quick wit humor and the, you know, always taking the piss out of each other. It's just, I feel like if America were more like that, it'd be a, a nicer place. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, everyone just like kind of, you know, giving each other shit and having a laugh, you know, I think it's uh it goes a long way. Yeah. It's ingrained in your culture, man. I don't, it, it's funny. Cause I never really knew that till I started traveling over there, but Adam's absolutely right. Like mm. there's something really nice about that. You know, as much as the weather sucks, uh, but yeah. When we go there, I love seeing my my British friends, and you know, because it's it's there's a, a lightheartedness to it. Even if you're saying something that's potentially hurtful, mm -hmm. the way it's said is so funny that you're like, yeah, you're right, you're right. <laughs> have you guys noticed? Because I always notice it. I've worked with loads of Australians and and have spent a bit of time out there. But have you noticed the similarities between the UK and the Australian sense of humor when you've toured? Absolutely, yes, one hundred percent. Oh yeah, it's um, I hell of Sorry to say this. I think the Australians can be funnier than you guys. Fuck. They're the funniest motherfuckers on earth. It's not necessarily really as are. witty, but it is just raw, raw humor. <laughs> I get to oh, think, yeah. right, with the Australians, I had a thought because I've got some people that I really love in Australia. Um, they've been through so much shit to, like, get their country started. Like, they basically, like, were put over on this island, went to this island, and they had to start from nothing. So I think the humor 
is probably just from them having to survive and like do all this crazy shit to get their lives going. That's probably why the humor is there. I mean, humor, like you were saying, it's medicine. So when you're having a really rough time or you're in a rough spot, humor is everything. I know when I was going through the darkest parts of my depression, uh, Family Guy, I would put that show Family Guy on on repeat and it just kind of helped me pull out of the darkness. Mm. What happened to you in London, Adam, talking about going to dark places? So like the Times of Grace first record, um, the inspiration behind that, were you laid up in London for a while? Uh, about two weeks, I think. Yeah, I'd have that emergency surgery there. Um, so uh, yeah, they wouldn't let me fly home for about two weeks, I think. Um, so yeah, I was there and pretty bummed out and pissed off and sad. And so I was like, fuck, I could, like, I'm that kind of person. If I'm left alone with my negative thoughts, uh, it can go to a very dark, awful place. So yeah, that's when I was like, well, I might as well occupy my mind with something. So it was, uh, British game shows and, uh, music ideas in my head, you know, that was it. And you're just writing in your head. You haven't gotten like an iPad or anything there, obviously, because this is probably before that kind of. Uh, yeah, I, I think I might have had some things saved on my phone, you know, even ideas. Um, but yeah, a lot of it was in my head. Yeah. What a skill. Yeah. I, you know, to be honest with you, I write all the, the kill switch stuff I write and all the times are great. Most of the times are great stuff I write. I do it without holding an instrument. Um, I feel like I was talking about this with uh, Rob Flynn. He's the same way. Um, I feel like uh, I do a lot of writing when I'm like, hiking. Um, just it's strange. I just feel like exercise like stimulates your brain. And so like things just start popping into my head when I'm just, you know, in a silent place and, you know, moving my body and getting all the juices flowing. And all of a sudden my brain just starts thinking of, you know, riffs and, ideas or drum grooves and patterns and stuff like that yeah so how quickly did that project become something outside of kill switch and and how quickly along the process did you realize you were gonna approach jesse to team up and get to work i don't think it happened extremely quickly it's like yet again it's so long ago um I just remember getting home and i was i was bedridden for quite some time i think they, i had to lie down for another month and then, yeah, after that, you know, just kind of, it gave me something to do. Um, so just started getting, getting the ideas recorded, and all that, and starting to write lyrics. Um, just slow process. And I remember just getting to a point where I was like, these lyrics really aren't that good, man. Um, I need help. Shit. And then I, uh, of course, called Jesse. Yeah. Brown. Yeah, man, uh, <laughs> that phone call changed my life. It, it couldn't have come at a better time uh, where I was because, you know, just I had just gotten off the road. My band Seamless broke, like broke so much that I lost the house that I was living in in Providence, just couldn't afford anything. Uh, parking, the valet parking cars at a medical facility in, in Scarsdale, New York. And I get the phone call from Adam and he's like, hey, I got this thing. It's just, you know, it's probably just a studio thing. Just, I need help with this. And I'm like, I was doing nothing creatively at the time. So it was really something to work for, something to move, like get my brain going again. It really helped kickstart my my heart, really. And it was great. And the music just really inspired me. And at the time, you know, I hadn't, hadn't written anything for so long and that stuff just started coming out of me. 
that I, I think it took like what eight how long did it take to record that record i, I believe it was like eight to nine months ten 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 months i don't even know yeah and yet again you know it's just like this record the new one uh it's just we worked on it whenever we had a free moment which was not very often yeah 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 you were torn nonstop once you got back on the road oh yeah oh yeah was it a healing process collaborating together again that was fun i can tell you that right now it was a lot of fun because when we weren't recording we were just hanging out catching up becoming friends again and drink drinking eating indian food and just doing just doing dude stuff like hanging out as friends it it was awesome i really enjoyed as difficult as it was because you know i my voice is so temperamental and so is my brain uh but adam just seems to know how to manipulate and, and help and like maneuver uh, but i know it's definitely it's always difficult to record with me but my memory of it is very positive and just connecting and a lot of that was just connecting with him again and becoming I, friends again i think a lot of those lyrics were cathartic though um just getting getting some of the the feelings out you know um we both were going through things back then as well so yeah it's just like this record too you know the the creation of those songs were you know through you know some pain and some struggle some personal personal things yeah so it's through the hanging out and eating food and drinking and you know all that shit we talking about life too and yeah it was it was good reconnecting on that level yeah 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 this i feel like this this past record was even harder for me just because of what i went was going through while we were doing it and i wasn't even able to be present for a couple of those songs like i just couldn't i just just numbing myself in alcohol and like trying to deal with my my life falling apart in front of my eyes but because of that we did eventually capture those feelings and thoughts on on this record which to me is like there's so much of this new record that just it hurts to hear but it's beautiful at the same time it's amazing yeah. In, all, in all the press that you've been doing around it, obviously I know you've mentioned that it's been informed by certain personal things, but have you gone in in much detail in any of the interviews on what? A little bit. Yeah, I'm careful to to, to say too much because I almost feel like it's um, not even worth going super deep with it um, because I've moved on so much so since then. But yeah, just my divorce and, you know, being betrayed like on so many different levels with that person. Uh you know, you think you know somebody and, and they were, listen, in retrospect, there were cracks that were very obvious to me. Um, but I guess when you're in a place that you think you're in love with somebody, you sort of like, you sort of like mask those things and you try your best to sort of manage them and think in your head, like it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this, but it, it's, it's, it's easier. It's easier to ignore a problem than to fully address it and yeah. go full into a big confrontation. Yeah. Yeah, and I had like my whole life wrapped up in, I mean, 18 years with the same person, you know, our entire lives mm -hmm. intertwined on such a big level. Um, but the interesting thing about it was, side note, is I had already signed a lease to move away just before like the moment of like, okay, this is, it's so obvious. It's literally staring me in the face how bad this has gotten. Um, so I'm really grateful that uh, I was able to get out of there within a few days of figuring everything out and, I haven't looked back since I haven't had any contact minus like having papers signed for the divorce. But I think for me, it was just very, very uh, gut wrenching as far as like not only realizing that it was bad, but realizing that I didn't wasn't coping with it well. And instead of like dealing with it, I, I just I got numb. I just numbed the shit out of myself. 
but you know that's i we captured some of that in the lyrics and i, I love that and you know it's one of those things too when you're going through it it's rough it's brutal but in retrospect man it couldn't have happened any other way and i don't mm-hmm. your well, how long ago is your divorce adam oh god uh probably over 10 years over 10 years yeah so quite a long time ago but like i said going going through that changed me uh made me a better person um it made me re- realize uh that uh i have self-worth <laughs> before, before i was like felt like uh it, it's it's a weird feeling you like yeah I, I did love her but i also um had the uh the vibe of like you know there was moments in that relationship we were abusive to each other mentally not physically um where we we'd kind of just you know be nasty to each other and i would just accept it you know and now i just know it's not worth drama you know it's like if if there's any kind of bad stuff between two people you really need to like think about where it's sourcing from and like why is it happening and do we belong together and like before I was like, I can't lose her. I can't lose her. I'm, I'm married to her. I'm married to her. You know, so now I'm just, at this, I guess I've just matured a lot with it now where it's just like, um, now if something doesn't work, you need to address it or walk away. That's just the way it is. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I agree yeah. with that completely. And it, yeah. it makes me the person that I am today where if there is an issue, I don't let it sit anymore. I go right for it. And I never used to be like that. As difficult as it is, it's so rewarding when you just tackle it and just figure it mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Was it helpful for you then, Jesse, having had Adam who'd been through, not obviously exactly the same because every situation's unique and different, but somebody that had been through that kind of a separation before? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there was definitely some pearls of wisdom he dropped on me, you know, because again, my personality is when something happens, I put the blockers up and I'm like, I deal with it on my own. No one fucking touched me. I got this. And then I just go deeper and deeper and deeper. And I believe there's one point, one night in particular, I remember on tour, Joel and Adam are just, they're wise. They know when shit's going wrong. And they confronted me. They're like, hey, dude, what's going on with you? you got to talk to us. You can't just like keep doing what you're doing. And it was that conversation. And I remember half of it because I think I got pretty hammered while we were doing it. But, you know, it kind of changed everything. And it was like, I need to start look asking for help. And that actually led me to actually get therapy too. Um, to talk to people, to talk about your problems and to have somebody like Adam who's been through it that dropped pearls of wisdom on me. Like, you're not the only one who's been through this. Like, th- this happens to people. Oh, my God. Uh, I'll never forget when we were working on a Times of Grace song, actually, um, right when you decided you were going to oh, divorce. Yeah. I'll uh, never forget this moment. Like, we were working on a song and you're like, yeah, man, this is good. Like, like this is all for the best. Like, I, I feel great. I'm doing the right thing. And I'm like, dude just wait and he's like no I'm, I'm good i'm okay i'm like no just wait i'm here for you if you need me and that's that's when you just started slowly falling apart oh yeah yeah i was still yeah. numb to it yeah you're right yeah you, you you were like you were like celebrating and everything like yeah man this is great I'm, I'm 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 walking away from this it's gonna be a good thing and like dude you have no idea the, the painful road you were about to go down <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's right. I was all brought out in bushy tail. Like, I'm going to go party. Yeah. I'm, 
I'm going to get chicks. It's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> and it was such a yeah, sad, man. it was such a sad decline into realizing that none of the shit I was looking forward to would do anything to help me grow. Yeah, that. exactly. Yeah. What are some of your proudest moments on this album where you're capturing you know, either in relation to this or just anything you've been going through, like raw emotion? Because it is a very emotive record and i love it and yeah there's many moments that stirred all kinds of strong feelings in me but for you guys individually um what are some of the moments that shine for you that you just think yeah we we captured something pretty magical there yeah there's a lot i i don't personally like listen to things that i've done and be like i'm awesome so that's that's a hard question for me (laughs) um i'm i'm a self-deprecating son of a bitch all the time so uh I don't, I've never been good at like, you know, being proud of myself. So that's a question for Jesse. Well, let <laughs> me, let me throw it from you to Jesse. Is there any moments where you feel proud of Jesse for laying his heart on the line or delivering a good vocal performance or embarrassing? Uh, I, <laughs> well, I, I feel like he does great work on all the records we work on. Um, so yeah, I don't answer. think, I don't necessarily feel like this one's, uh, like 10 times better than anything Killswitch has ever done. I just like a lot of Killswitch songs. I think he did a fantastic job on too. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's definitely a different vibe um, genre speaking um, here and there, you know? So um, yeah, I guess it's, it's, it's still, you know, music that I'm like, yeah, you did a great job. And the lyrics in that song are fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Well, just I the can overall do, I project. Can... I can do this for Adam. I'm proud of Adam for writing Cold. And I think that that song has touched, from what I can tell, a lot of people. And not only just for the lyrical content and what it's about, but like your vocal performance on that, to me especially, is just, it stands out. There's something to it. It even surprised me, knowing you, and knowing what you're capable of and the way your voice sounds and everything. That song, to me, is a standout track, 100%. And I'm proud of Adam for doing that, for being that vulnerable and for putting on that type of a performance, I think that song is flawless. I think it's lovely. It's, it's definitely, uh, definitely shows some vulnerability on my part. Um, yeah, I'm throwing out my feelings for sure. Um, but, uh, and it's definitely a, uh, a strange song for me, genre wise. You know, I don't think I've ever, uh, I don't know if I was 100% comfortable sharing that with the world at first. And I was like, ah, fuck it. It's, it sounds all right. So. You know what I mean? It's just, it didn't really fit on the record. And then I was like, well, it's, it's another like moment in the record. So hell, just throw it on there. And it fits with the theme, obviously. So, Well, I think that's what makes the record good though, is the fact that it is diverse. I think that's the strength mm. of the record too. And I guess for me personally, um, uh, wow, I'm forgetting the name of the song now. It's right before cold. What the hell? Carry the weight. Yeah. Uh, for me was a real, I, I didn't even have, after that song was written and recorded, I would listen to it and weep every single time I listened to it. I'd try to share it with people, close friends, family over the house or whatever, and I just would weep. It, to me, it's just, if you truly know about the subject, which very few people do, you know, it's about suicide, but like the details of it and the way that that song was put out, it's very much me sort of speaking to somebody who's passed away and I, I'm still haven't, I still haven't reconciled it. When I look back on that, it's it's a really painful thing when someone commits suicide. It's a whole other level of loss and, and separation. And I think for me, with Adam's help, to be able to put that song out and 
lyrically for me, it's such a therapeutic song. I'm really happy that I got that out and we were able to share it with people in the hopes it helps somebody cope and deal, you know? Yeah, the three for me, I went on a break from DJing two weeks ago. I was doing like a midday till four, seven till close, back to back shift. So in the three hours I had off in the middle, it was a beautiful, hot, sunny day in London. And I went walking around. Get out of here. That doesn't happen. I'm telling you, it was like the, <laughs> it was the hottest day on record. I think it was so intense. It was almost too hot for the UK, believe wow. it or not. And I just walked wow. around the Hackney Canals, listened to the album twice over just like soaking it in and yeah cold was one medusa was another and far from heavenless they were the three that really like hit me um far from heavenless is that the song you were just mentioning there no no far from heavenless is uh which happened very much so with the help of adam especially that spoken word part in the middle like that was just off the cuff we were working on it and just talking about what the song meant you know because i think the chorus kind of it gives you a general sense of what the song is about but that spoken word part in particular really kind of spells it out that it's a critique on the hypocrisy of organized religion and how there's a lot of dark underworkings in some of these things that claim to be righteous and i was honestly a little um intimidated to to write about it and was the fear of the repercussion it would have which i have gotten some of it but uh you know, I think it's a topic that a lot of people can relate to. Something that appears to be very beautiful and good, but there's so much underneath that you just don't see. Uh, and and that song is just, yeah, I'm proud of that song too. And and just sonically, it's just such an epic sounding song. And Adam's voice in the chorus, uh, just that big booming sort of what we call dude voice. I love it. It almost reminds me, we've never really sounded like Neurosis much, but to me, like that song has got a little bit of that Neurosis like girth to it. I love it. Yeah. That song's powerful to me, man. And what about Medusa? That's pretty much very much about my betrayal um, with my ex and what went down between the two of us. Using that as a metaphor for what happened. Sort of poetically spelling out, you know, how bad it got. And then the end line, I think, for me, you won't kill the love in me is like, the end of it is just like, fuck you. I got this. I'm going to get through this shit. Which I did with flying colors. Thankfully. And it's a monster tune as well. A monster, monster tune. Oh, that riff, dude. When Adam showed me that riff, I was like, Gee, oh my God. Amazing. Such a good riff. Dirty. When did Howard first get on stage with you? Um, was it the Iron Maiden tour? Was that the first time you did that? Mm -mm. Yep. No. Yeah, no. Two no, different answers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, no, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait. <laughs> Please. Wait, 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 give me a second, because I know he came to a show in Canada. Oh, he didn't get on stage. He didn't sing with us that night. He yeah, stood see? stage. Was it Maiden? Was that the first time? Sure was. It was. You're right. Yeah, so. Ah, I win. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> you would know more so than sure, I would. I'm pretty sure it was the day after we did our live Q&A. Like, you had the day off. We did the live Q&A, and then I'm pretty sure London was the next yes. day. Because I had to fly, I had to take a train to London, and I remember, yeah, Adam was already checked into the hotel room. Yeah, and he just happened to be in town doing press. Or, I don't remember what it was, but we were walking over to the uh, the Enormo Dome. There was it. The, what the hell is that place called? The O2, Enormo right, Dome. or Wembley? <laughs> yeah, the Enormo. Dome. <laughs> I, I like I like Enormo Dome. Yeah, that's <laughs> <great>. it's fitting. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're walking over there. And he's hanging out with us, you know, because he had 
hung out a few times before this and like just we get on really well howard and i he's, he's a good dude and it kind of struck me i'm like i turned around i looked at him, i was like hey why don't you come on stage tonight dude he's like huh it's like it'd be great in front of all these people it's just a nice way to like show solidarity and he always wears these earbuds always you can see even in press photos he's got earbuds in and, uh, <laughs> who is he talking to yeah <laughs> what he's is like, he listening to he's like one of those old dudes with the bluetooth my man, yeah. my man. So uh, I, we're in the dressing room and he just starts playing it in a heartache over and over again. And by showtime, he's like, yeah, I'm ready. And it was, to me, it was so much fun to watch that happen. And mm. just the joy of the situation, but also just to see, my hope was to have the fans see like, we're family, everything's good. It was kind of a nice way to be like, we're good. Like, there's no need to talk about this issue anymore. No dramas. Yeah. 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 And right. was there enough of your fans there that night to see that and love it? Because Maiden's a tough one, right? When you're in front of a crowd like that, most yeah. are there for Maiden. And you'd think you like Maiden, you're going to like Killswitch, you like Metal, but they're a different breed, aren't they? They're like Maiden. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I was actually doing a, a podcast a little while ago, and the, a great question was, uh, who's tougher to open for, Slayer or, or Iron Maiden? It's like, oh man, that's pretty much the two toughest bands to open for. Holy shit. That, that the top yeah. Two, are they? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It was so funny. There's so many um, Slayer shows where we're just, you know, like kids in the front row just doing that. And like, sorry, dude, you got to wait. <laughs> no, I'm like, or like I'd get into an actual spitting match with people in the crowd. People are just trying to spit on me. And then I just like take a swig of beer and just dump it out all over their face. <laughs> like, fuck you, dude. You know, like, um, those are the Slayer fans, and then the Iron Maiden fans, I guess, are a little more polite. Um, it's going to say they're probably less aggressive, right? But they just less less middle finger, more arms crossed with frowns. I just yeah. like, hurry the fuck up! I didn't pay to watch you get yeah. the fuck out. You know, you can just see it in their face. That's what they're thinking. They're like, dude, it's a fucking thirty minute set. Just hold on, we'll be out of here in a minute. Okay, <laughs> just come on, man. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny you say that too because the, those two because we did two shows in London back to back, and some of those maiden shows we ended up winning the crowd over. It was good, and I think that's no exception. But I do remember when Howard was getting on stage. To me, I was expecting like a whoa, and it wasn't quite whoa. It was like mm. some people in the middle were like, "Holy shit!" and a bunch of people in the front were still like, "We're still waiting for me." <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like a fun? moment yeah, that... in history that just completely went over their heads, like. All the all the maiden fans fans in the front row are just like, oh, another guy. They're multiplying. Please yeah. welcome. Yeah. And it's like crickets. Yeah. Oh. Who fucking cares? Hurry up. Where's Bruce? <laughs> I'm assuming you were playing Holy Diver in those shows, right? And they must have fucking been on side with you by the time you played that. That was the one song we would we'd close with that, and that was the one way to sort of win everybody over. And they were at yeah. least like, yeah, yeah, fucking Dio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It'll no, have we to know, do. We know this song. Yeah, I'll yeah, take yeah. it. All right. I guess I'm less bored now. It's funny, though, because with Holy Diver, so they're screaming in it to make it Kill Switch style. And I remember specifically one night we were in Germany somewhere and at a fan, I, I went to go scream the part of the Holy Diver song. And I saw him literally look at me and go like, he's like, don't you don't scream that part. That's not good. Yeah. <laughs> not good. I don't like this song anymore. It's a very ger German response. Yeah. yeah, not good. No, no, this will not do. Yeah. No, this will not do. 
obviously when um the pandemic hit not to lower the tone but um you know kind of we definitely need to address that because you guys in particular well i guess everybody had their own unique you know pain but you guys had really put together this incredible bill that tied together as we're talking about here like the full history and story of this band with how is band supporting you oh who let the dogs out <laughs> and you're my, my, two, is it two my dogs are such shitheads sorry is it oh, two did. dates you're into the tour and it's obviously yeah. i mean how two were those shows, two, how were those two shows from what i remember they were really good um but yeah it, it kind of just gets glossed over by the day off we had in pittsburgh when we got sent home and that's those shows were those shows were killer um yeah. i remember cleveland was the first night and that was knockout and then uh we played um grand rapids right the next night yeah and then i remember i was talking to um uh, Francisco, uh, um, from, uh, light the torch and like, he's like, yeah, shit's so bad in Italy right now. Like it's really bad. Like, like everyone's on lockdown they can't leave their houses. I'm like, Whoa, that's crazy. Like, I wonder if that's going to happen here. And then the next day it happened. I'm like, Holy shit. Yep. All shows are shut. Everyone needs to go the fuck home. Like, Oh no. And like, obviously me as like a, a business owner looking at it too and i'm like well now we're fucked great because of yeah. all the startup costs and i'm like jesus it couldn't have happened at a worse time huh yeah it was pretty bad dude it's pretty bad yeah. and i think initially minus the financial side of it i think initially there was a, a part of me that was like oh a break because you know mm. i was exhausted but that very very uh quickly turned into sort of uh, a bit of a despair and just kind of losing losing myself really just like who am i without this shit you know we haven't had a break that long and ever for me at least and yeah it, it turned into a, a really hard time and i know adam yeah. you went through a rough patch as well my man well it it was that it, it started almost as like thinking it was going to be a good thing for my headspace um yeah. remember, remember we got we got on the uh, conference call with management and i'm like yeah we get a break we'll finally get a break covid forever <laughs> just like, i was like this is gonna be great you know just take some time and like we'll all like you know take care of ourselves and we'll get back we'll be even in more positive headspace and yeah. we'll tour non-stop when we get back to it and then i think once the realization of uh if covid's not going anywhere hit uh i was like oh no oh no and then the loneliness mm. um my girlfriend works like 12 hour days, so I never fucking see her. So the loneliness started eating me alive, uh, getting injured again. Uh, I hurt my back really bad again. Um, going to the hospital, all that shit. Uh, fuck, I was like downward spiral, you know? And I guess I never really realized how dependent I am on uh, human interaction after all. Um, I get so burnt out on it being on tour because you're always around other people. Um, so I always just thought I, I preferred being alone. And then when I was alone for that long, just completely by myself, I fucking went crazy. Yeah. I'm exactly the same, Adam. Like I completely mm. thrive off interaction and company and, mm. and yeah. And, you know, doing the same thing, DJing and dealing with drunk people at busy bars. I, I, I was always of the opinion that I love my own space. And then you get it and you go, oh, God, this is horrible. I miss people. I need people so bad. It's brutal, isn't yeah. it? 
I guess the grass is always greener, right? Yeah. Say. Yeah, I'm the same way. Completely the same way. (laughs) (laughs) So, how has your pandemic experience been, dude? Has it all been horrible, or did you manage to push through to the other side and and kind of find yourself in the process and you know grow and evolve and get to this was no. (laughs) This was without eighteen months of misery. Yeah, this was without a doubt the worst year of my life. 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's never, I've never gone to um, such a, a dark place uh, ever before. So uh, I'm glad that I've finally pulled out of it. Um, and the promise of good things coming uh, was really the catalyst for that. Um, uh, being able to, you know, see people getting vaccinated and then people being able to go out and things opening again and all the, the rates dropping. And now like life is pretty much back to normal where I'm living. Um, and, and it's just amazing to see people again and, you know, be able to like, I was so scared to go home and see my family because of my grandmother. She's, you know, not doing well. So I didn't want to be the reason that somebody in my family got sick and then gave her something. And, you know, it's just, it's just so nice to have some, sense of normalcy back and i think that's really helped me out a lot yeah Yeah, i feel that it's kind of it feels like at the end of a long long winter springs here um obviously it's technically summer but you know what i mean a new dawn and um have you kind of taken anything positive away from it that you feel like you can apply going forward nothing at all nothing just (laughs) um erase the slate it's it's kind of it's kind of fucked up. I the only thing I really took from it is that I never want to go through anything like that again. Um, and it's and it's so funny. Uh, I know Jesse talks about um, you know depression and anxiety all the time, um, which it runs in my family. Every it's funny. Everyone every one of my siblings has had to deal with something. Um, and they're either on some form of medication or they have to do some form of like crazy meditation to keep their, their thoughts at bay and, and all that. And I never truly experienced the depth of it until this last year and how controlling it can be. Um, and it's funny how I always just assumed like, you know, just have a fucking beer and have a chat with a good friend and it'll help fix things. And, from what I went through last year, I realize now nothing fixes it. Nothing fixes it. It's, it's almost, it's like the most hopeless feeling you could ever have. It's, it's really fucking crazy. And I truly know now uh, what, what it means to be uh, depressed. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that man. That's something that I struggle with on a regular basis and I'm not even bad compared to people that I know. Um, yeah, that's, you know, that's why I think mental health is so important to talk about constantly for me. I feel like, I feel like I aged five years in one year because of what happened to my body. Mm. Um, you know, and uh, obviously I didn't help matters because, you know, I was, you know, started drinking more to kind of numb a lot of the, the pain and it's just putting a bandaid on it. You know, it's, Mm. it's still there. It doesn't make it go away. It just makes you feel better for a few minutes and then you wake up feeling like shit the next day and it just adds to your anxiety, you know? <laughs> totally. So it's like, what do you really change? You know, nothing, 
you just feel like shit more. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's crazy. It's it's nuts. Yeah, sorry. It's a vicious cycle, my man, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's why I had I had to take a break from drinking during this whole thing. Mm. I had to, just to like figure out my shit. What are you saying, Matt? Then, but then you realized how delicious mezcal is. <laughs> Jeez, dude. I, do like I didn't. Really even, I haven't even. I haven't talked to you about this. Um, when me and my girl went to uh, on vacation, we went to Mexico, and um, you know, I'm a, I'm a beer snob, and I don't really get down with Mexican lagers so well. And um, we, she was just like, "Let's have some mezcal today," and it made me into a monster. I freaking love that shit now. No. <laughs> so, I I have to be very careful when drinking that though, because obviously you like, if you pound more than a couple mezcal drinks, it's you'll, you'll go blind. It's just freaking insane, man. But you uh, have it it's so, with the crickets and the, and the, and yeah. the, and the yeah. orange. It, yeah. But it's, but it's just, I have such a, an, uh, uh, an appreciation for it now because of the different um, versions, the the aged ones, the young ones versus like where the agave is grown, like um, like the, the agave plant can actually, it's just like wine, I guess, you know, any, anything, you know, like it, this, obviously agaves are affected by weather, climate, uh, moisture. And like when you taste one mezcal from one region and it's just, they're so vastly different. It's just, it's crazy. It's it's a really cool thing. Yeah, here in the states, we we took a long time to catch up to the fact that it is an amazing thing. Where you mm. know most people they think Mex mezcal, they think like going to the Mexican border and chugging the thing with the worm in it. When you don't realize that, like you said, wine it should be looked at as such. Like, the- oh no, it's just just like that. It's it's an art form, you know. Just like the way I look at beer, like the creation of beer is an art form because there's so many stylistic approaches to how to how to brew it, and you know all the ingredients you can add and the different varieties of fermentables and, and hops. And it's just, yeah, it's a, it's an art form. Mm. It's such a dope. Sorry. Buzz I just, as well. No, it's, yeah. I, I love mess. Just the effect of it. It's so like mellow to a point. Then you do go a bit loopy, but it kind of, it's almost got like a drug buzz in a very low key way. It's different mm. to a kind of shot of whiskey or, you know, vodka or something. It's its own thing. It gives you this warm, fuzzy, amazing feeling i love mezcal i'm yeah. a big oh, yeah. big yeah. supporter of that stuff <laughs> yeah, yeah. sorry i didn't mean to take it on such a strange tangent there <laughs> no no there are no there are no strange tangents on this yeah. show it just made yeah. me just dream of tasting mezcal now i know yeah. right? I, I guess i just know i know jesse uh, always liked mezcal and i was telling him now like dude i'm in i'm in it's yeah. great it's, so it's funny. It's the slippery slope. We're talking about how alcohol is just bad and we got to be careful. And then we're like, yeah, like, but it's so delicious. <laughs> yeah. It's funny though. My, my appreciation of alcohol has, has changed a little bit over this pandemic because of going through that. Um, and now I don't want to get fucked up all the time. Um, but I still appreciate the things that I love. Um, like, obviously I, I don't like spirits except for mezcal. Um, and I could never picture myself like drowning myself in vodka because I'm having a bad day because to me, vodka tastes like, like jewelry cleaner. You know, like, I don't want to, who wants anything you sip and you make a bad face means don't drink it. And I do that when I drink any kind of spirits. So yeah. So. Yeah. Vodka's yeah, a bit, 
this year's been huge for like readjusting to to alcohol. We talk, mm. we talk about it quite a bit on this show. And well, you I, know, alcohol sales went like they skyrocketed when the pandemic hit. You know? No doubt, no yeah. doubt. And yeah, like pubs are shut, but everybody's drinking at home. And mm-hmm. you have to reassess your relationship with it. I think in these times, and definitely what I've come to learn is like choose your occasions spread them out mm. and drink for joy and celebration and, and communion rather than like yes. sorrow and pain. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's the, it's the moments like I was talking about earlier when I was drinking to, to numb, you know, to, because I was upset or having a bad day or like saying like, you know, this is a bad situation. Fuck it. I'm going to have some, some drinks, you know, that's all the wrong reasons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How was the first kind of, well, rehearsal and, and, you know, gig that you recorded for the stream? How was that getting back together for the first time after X amount of months? Was it nerve wracking? Was it weird? Was it exciting? Was it difficult to kind of get back onto the, you know, playing field with the the levels you like to operate at? How was it? Hmm. It's a mixed bag for me. I I went in really enjoying it, seeing everybody and then feeling good about myself and then like i just i kind of wore myself down bad and i had a actually had a hard time towards the end but everyone was gracious and we got through it but initially it was awesome to see everybody Mm. in the same room and to play music it was fucking amazing it's crazy it felt exactly like i thought it was going to it's like nothing changed it's like we didn't even take a year off or whatever it was you know it's just like got in the room started playing the songs and then everybody was there yeah we were back yeah. I uh, actually have to pee really bad since this is an uncensored program. Just keep going. I'll be right back. Keep going. Um, <laughs> yeah. What's your, th- what's your thoughts on the Slipknot tour, Adam? Because talk about fucking jumping back in the deep end. Right, right. Well, it's extremely exciting. Um, obviously, it's always an honor to be able to open for a band as big as Slipknot. Um, we'll be in front of a lot of faces every night. So, um, yeah, what can I say? Except, you know, we're really, really, you know, blessed to have that opportunity to be able to get up in front of that many people and you know share some music with them and just hoping they like it <laughs> that's the the main goal it's kind of the perfect scenario i would say for you guys right because the pressure isn't on you and the organizational yes. side of it in this time is going to be quite headache inducing you know because of the restrictions and there's still going to be certain yeah. hoops. And there really so is not so can much... take care of that and you know you guys can just turn up rock the show on to the next there really is so much uncertainty going forward after something like covid you know a covid breakout you know so it's like like oh man if we book this tour is it gonna work and i guess a lot of that responsibility has been taken off of our shoulders so um that's a great feeling but you know i'll say it again just like being able to get back on a scale that large is just an incredible thing. So, um, I'm pretty, um, I'm pretty flattered that they asked us, you know, so it's, it's great. Yeah. Agreed. Amazing. Mm. Yeah. They could have asked anyone, couldn't they? A band like that. Oh, absolutely. And any other band would have said yes to. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. How are you feeling Jesse about getting in front of fucking arena crowds again and, doing what you do after so long i'm excited but you know you mentioned the word arena arena crowds can be can be great they can, oh puppy yeah that's my loudmouth cash sorry it's such a so if if there's any like movement anywhere 
around my property. He's just like, he's the best guard dog ever. He's like, oh, look, somebody's here. I'm going to fucking kill him. Let me out there. I'll fucking kill him. <laughs> he's great. He's a great dog. And then when he likes you, he licks you nonstop. Oh, uh, he, they're, both of them are like that. They're freaking, uh, they're crazy. They just like, they're so incessant. Like, I love you. 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 And like, I, I'm like, funny story. Uh, my girl pit bull was licking me so incessantly one night. She actually like took some skin off my neck. <laughs> so I'm like, stop it. Yeah. I'm like, stop it. And I'm like, that's starting to hurt. Stop it. And then like the next morning, it's like, it's just big, like this spot right here where it was like missing a little bit of skin. I'm like, you fucking jerk. <laughs> you, you heard daddy. <laughs> Is that what you have, Adam? Two pit bulls? Yeah. Yeah. I love them. They're, Amazing. Such su- they're sweet, sweet animals that get uh, a bad rap because people don't know how to train their dogs. Yeah. 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 yeah they're good pups for sure. Yep. And yeah. they're great guard dogs. Dude, Cashew is incredible, man. Just like yeah. constantly on the look. When we went out camping, that dog was just constantly on the lookout. Dude, isn't it? It's, it's incredible to watch because it's like he's clocking in for the night. He's yeah. like, oh, you feed me. You do everything for me. So it's now my job. So you guys go hang out. And if anything comes close, I'll let you know. You know, you just, like, just totally perched and just always looking around. It's insane. It's incredible. They're good dogs. Yeah, he's great. So, yeah, arenas. Yes, I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. I'm looking forward to it. But, um, <laughs> I think the thing I'm looking forward to most is just being able to turn back around and see my dudes on stage with me. Like that's going to be a moment. The crowds are going to be great too. I'm hoping it's not an Iron Maiden situation. I was just going to say, you never know with arenas because you know the headliner, like a headliner like Slipknot, which is you know one of the biggest metal bands in the world. It it could be another potential. We got to really work for this situation, but I have faith Mm -hmm. in our fans that they'll show up, but uh, especially now, I think, you know, it's going to be such a unique situation. So as long as the crowds are good, but you know, there's a huge part of me. It just, I can't wait to see my family and be back out doing what we do and like have that moment where I'm like, Oh yeah, we're doing this again. This is crazy. Can you imagine how much of a fucking asshole you've got to be to be at your first show in about 18 months, front row, arms folded, (laughs) Just eviling out the opening acts like there'll be somebody. There will be to a show in two years. <laughs> are you kidding me? Like I feel like nowadays, especially people just have like people are assholes, man. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, like there's people that love to do things like that. So yeah, I'm, I I expect it to happen. Yeah, absolutely. It's gonna be funny. I think to me, yeah. funny to see that. I'd be like, really, dude? You're that person right now? Okay. Yeah. Good bye what at the end of the day you know we're there to do our job and hopefully we stoke some people out that's all i care about yeah you know we're gonna have fun make the audience have fun exactly you know how could you not dude it's slipknot slipknot's like a three circus they're incredible i remember we're gonna be we're gonna be partying too we're gonna be jumping around and you know we'll be doing stupid shit on stage i'm sure so yeah it's it's gonna be a party beer and mullets it's gonna be great man yeah fuck yeah yeah keep that shit flowing bro yeah yeah. Are you going to team up again with Light the Torch and revisit that idea? What's the What's the score there? That's a huge plan. Yes, that's one of our main priorities. Period. As just anything, we need to get back out there and reignite that tour, pun intended, and give those yeah. people who bought tickets and held tickets and you know couldn't get refunds or whatever. There's just so much that went into that. Uh, we definitely want to make that up for sure. And yeah. having Howard out on the road and Light the Torch, like that's just huge. We got to do it again. Yeah. We we have um we have a really awesome fan base and and we're 
so we're just so appreciative of of them and for all the support and i think that's one thing that drives a lot of our decision making as a band um so in my eyes that's the single most important thing uh we're working on um after this slipknot tour you know like i said before who, who how are we going to say no to slipknot you know so when we were offered that we we're just like yeah but um we're pretty much just focusing on getting that tour uh rebooked just so we honor everyone's tickets that you know they already purchased and you know a lot of the, the venues were in a between a rock and a hard place because they, they couldn't refund um so it was just a postponed situation so yeah we'll make sure we take care of everybody and get those three bands that they wanted to see back together you know yeah yeah for sure and then are you two going to be taking times of grace on the road as well it looks like it's going to be a busy busy time yeah boys. um trying to figure it's, that it's shit in, out it's in it's in the talks um but it we have to weigh um weigh out a lot of things um monetarily and time wise yeah and like that's the thing i i i have well, you know what there's three people in the band right now and i have to find two other members to you know play some music with so uh yeah it's gonna it's gonna take some work but It'll happen eventually. We'll figure it out. Yeah, I, I guess I just I look back at the the first times of Grace tours with just such fond memories. That's like it's of course it's something I want to go back to and relive that happiness. And I think that vibe would still be there. Yeah, yeah, because it's such different material too. You know, like mm -hmm. presenting that stuff live is so unique and different for us that mm -hmm. I I look forward to when it finally does happen. It's just there's a lot of things that need to be sussed out because. Kill switch, you know, kill switch getting back on the road just changes a lot of things, you know, but we'll figure it mm -hmm. out. I have faith we'll figure it out. And my final question would be as if you aren't busy enough, is there going to be new kill switch material in the <laughs> near future or far future or future future? Is any writing taking place? I have um, a general idea in my mind of what I want to do. Um, and I feel I've, I've spoken about it with everybody in the band. Um, so there's, there's kind of like a rough idea of maybe starting another record in about a year's time, something like that. But, you know, like I said, we have so many other things we need to honor first. And, uh, yeah, you know, um, hell, we haven't played a tone, the songs from atonement. No, like what would he be playing Europe? That's it. You know? Yeah. We, we, yeah. We haven't played atonement like in, in Asia or Australia or shit, we, we got a lot to do. So yeah, <laughs> we better get off this zoom call then fellas wrap things yeah, up. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Adam, I know this is really cool. Uh, connecting and catching up and yeah, man. Yeah, right on, man. Yeah. yeah you've, uh, you got me on my to do day. I have like this big list of shit I got to accomplish. So yeah. And well, you, you guys were on that list. Yes, happy to do you. Yeah, <laughs> officially through through management and PR. You fucker, you. Uh, you know I <laughs> love you. You're, you're know such I. a fucking. You're such a fucking brat. You little piece of shit. I can, <laughs> I can be for sure. Yeah. Uh, thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it, and uh, of course, love you, man, and uh, can't wait to see you soon. And get your shit done, bro. Go do what you gotta do, man. Yeah, man. Love you too. Good to see your face, and uh, good to know you're doing all right. It's good out there, man. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So Alright gentlemen. Be good. Nice one, Adam.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.